Well, if you're anything like me, you like a good story. Anybody like a good story? Some of you are like, I like a good love story. Some of you, I like a good war story. I don't know where you're at, but I love a good story. I remember uh, growing up, my great uncle Horace, he's my uh, grandmother's brother. He uh, was a soldier in World War II, and he would tell these amazing World War II stories. Uh, he and his brother GW, who I never met because he passed away uh, before I was uh, born, uh, their plane was shot down uh, in World War II, and they became prisoners of war. And just remember hearing those stories and their heroism was inspiring. Uh, sometimes when I put my kids to bed, they'll say things like, Hey, Dad, will you tell us a story from when you were a kid? And so I get to embellish these stories about my athleticism and, and just talk about my amazing athletic prowess as a teenager. No, I don't lie, but uh, have stories from, from my, my childhood. And uh, sometimes though I find that I have trouble finding a fresh story. Parents, you, you ever felt that? Like, oh, another story. What can I talk about? And so I got to this point where I... Uh, I started retelling Disney stories, Disney movies, uh, just kind of obscuring the identity a little bit. So there's, there's the story. Have you ever heard the story of the, the little prince who just can't wait to be king? And, uh, <laughs> and his father was murdered by his evil uncle, Scar. And eventually they figured it out. I think they figured it out on Nemo, if I remember correctly. Uh, his name was Mimo. <laughs> it, was, it was a dud. Uh, Anyhow, uh, here's what I love, about, I love about church is that with, with the church, uh, there is no shortage of stories, right? Uh, just last week, I was talking to my brother over here, Bud Francois, and he was telling me a little bit about your story. That was so encouraging to my heart, just telling me more about his story, about when he was, he was a young man and gave his life to the Lord and his, his father being a, a religious voodoo leader in central Haiti. And when he gave his life to Jesus, his, his pastor said, hey, here's something we're going to do. Uh, we're going to dress you in white, in a white robe, and we're going to walk you through the town. Because, man, what a story. If God can save uh, you out of this, man, he can save anybody. And how, I mean, how beautiful, right? What an amazing story. And uh, people are, is that, is that Bud? That's Bud. That's, wow. I mean, it's the story of a, of a changed life. And uh, the, the big difference between the stories that we get to share and uh, the World War II stories is that for us, the hero is Jesus, right? Jesus is always the hero. And so again, today is, is Baptism Sunday, and we're going to get to hear some stories where Jesus is the hero in every single person's life. And so each person baptized will, will share just a, a little bit of their story. And one thing I love when Christians share their story is that each story is, is so different, just so, so different. No story is exactly the same. God meets us where we're at and uh, different seasons of life, and every story is so different. And when we started Charles River Church uh, really not long ago, uh, we started off by just looking uh, in the scriptures at Acts chapter 16. And what we did really was we asked uh, when it was time to start this church, we said, what is the most fruitful and healthy church in the Bible? And as we look through the scriptures, really that church is the church of Philippi. There's an entire letter, the, the, the letter we call Philippians from the Apostle Paul to this church that he helped start. And uh, here's how he starts off writing this letter. We'll put it up here for you. Philippians chapter 1, uh, he gives some introductions. And then in verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day 
until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So this is a church that, that Paul looks back on. And you remember, Paul started a number of different churches in his ministry. Uh, this is one that he looks back on with gratitude and with great joy. Now I can imagine, having been through pastoral ministry for a number of years now, I can imagine there's some churches that he looks back on with a little bit of, oh, man, that was rough, that was fr frustrating. But that church, he looks back on with gratitude and joy. He says, when I pray for you, every time I pray for you, just joy just springs up in my heart. And, and as you read through the letter, uh, Philippians, you, you see that they're a prayerful church. You see that they're obedient, he says, to the commands of God. You see that Paul says, I long for you. Uh, I long for you. He says, you are my joy and my crown. In other words, like, you're, you're my trophy church. I got a trophy wife. He's a, you're my trophy church. You guys are just, wow, you just, you make me look good. And my wife makes me look good wherever we go. I'm like, would you come with me? Because that would be helpful. Uh, she just is great. Uh, but, but you are my joy. You are my crown. Uh, and and, and he, he, he left that church to continue planting other churches. But he, he always had this special kind of relationship with the church at Philippi. He says that, that they share with him in his troubles. Uh, so they, they, they share with him uh, in, in his troubles. They're, they're with him. He says that they are the only church in all of Macedonia to continue to partner with him. In other words, uh, there were other churches in Macedonia that said, thank you for, for getting us off the ground. We'll see you later. And they never talked to him. They never really deal with him again. He says, this church, you guys continued with me. We continued that relationship. Uh, he says, you, you partnered with me to the point that I am well supplied, Paul says. So all the ministry needs that we have to start other churches and do to see Jesus made known in other cities. You're taking care of me, uh, Church of Philippi. So this is just a beautiful, selfless, growing church. It's just, it's a beautiful church. And they're helping Paul to get the message of Jesus all around the world, not just in Philippi. Uh, so when we started Charles River Church, uh, we said, man, I, we want to be like that. If we, could, if we could start a church in West Boston that would look like that, that would be a beautiful thing. And so we start looking through the New Testament. Okay, how does that church get started? We read the letter, Philippi, uh, Philippians, but how did it get started? Uh, and you can flip with me now to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, this is 10 years prior to what we read in, in Philippians. This is the, the birth of the church at Philippi, Acts chapter 16. And it's just incredible. We're just going to kind of survey it uh, if we can together. But here's what happens. If you look, verse 9, Acts chapter 16, verse 9, Paul has a dream in the night where this man from the region of Macedonia. So you can maybe think New England, right? We all know the New England states, right? Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, think the region. For this region of Macedonia, Paul in his dream has this man urging him, come to Macedonia, please come to Macedonia and, and, and help us. And, and, and so that, that's the dream he has. That's the call of God that he has. And, 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 and so what does the Apostle Paul do? Well, it says in verse uh, 12, uh, they end up going to Philippi. Why? Verse 12 says, because it's a leading city of the district of Macedonia. So if you want to impact New England, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Boston, right? The, the hub, uh, the city has been called for New England. And so if you want to impact Macedonia, 
you're going to go to Philippi. So Paul and his team, they head uh, to Philippi to, to, to fulfill that vision that God had put on his heart to, to reach Macedonia for that man and his, his dream. And uh, during those days in, in, in Philippi, uh, Acts chapter 16, we see some beautiful stories. We, three, we see three specific stories of how God works in people's lives. And these people will eventually form together the early days of the church of Philippi. Three stories uh, that, that we see God change their lives and then he goes on and works not just in their lives but in their city and not just their city, in their region. And then eventually he uses this church to then go help other regions uh, across the Aegean Sea because God's work in our lives does not stop with us. We never want to be selfish Christians. Like, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for doing a work in my life and just kind of keep it in my, my house, right? No, we want, to, we want to constantly share that, and that's what they do. So I just want to highlight these stories, and then we're going to get to uh, some real live uh, today, present day stories. So uh, each person in these stories, they're so different generationally, ethnically, uh, economically, socially, and even different spiritual uh, conditions when they uh, come to, to faith in Jesus. But God meets them where they're at. It's, it's beautiful. So here's the, here's the first person that Paul and his team meet uh, in Philippi. The first person is an aspiring newcomer. So Paul and his team show up to Philippi with the message of Jesus. And his, his team, by the way, is Paul. We, we know it's at least Paul and Silas. There's a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, there's Paul's young uh, disciple named Timothy. At the beginning of Acts chapter 16, he gets Timothy all straight and ready to go for, for, for this journey. And then Luke, who is a doctor. And so you imagine having your team has a, has a doctor. And we're going to find out there was some physical harm that comes to them. And so they need a doctor to help them out along the way. And so Luke is there with them. They have this great team. And it says on Saturday, uh, they go to this riverside where they uh, are going to, they're going to pray. By the way, uh, when we started Charles River Church, we started Charles River Church along the Charles River as it cuts through West Roxbury and hence the name Charles River Church in Acts chapter 16 started by the riverside. So by the river they meet this lady and her name is Lydia and Lydia is from Thyatira across the Aegean Sea and she it says is a seller of purple goods and uh, I believe that many of us in this room, I know a lot of your stories, many of us in this room have a lot of similarities in our story here in Boston to this woman, uh, Lydia, because you're, you're not from here. You're a newcomer to this city. But man, you better believe that God has you in this city on purpose and he wants to do great things in you while you're in the city. He wants to do great things through you uh, because you've come to this city. And so here's this woman. Uh, she's a newcomer uh, with, with big aspirations, big hopes. And a lot of you come to Boston with aspirations, with hopes for, for your uh, education. Some of you here for college, undergrad, for graduate school, for postdoc work, for fellowships, for residency. Some of you came here because work brought you here and you want to get your, your, your career jump started and then you're going to move back somewhere. Uh, but man, this is, this is you. You kind of connect with this lady, uh, Lydia here, this wealthy uh, woman. We know she's wealthy because she sells purple goods. She has a home big enough eventually to host uh, this entire team at their place where they can stay over. And it says one day while Lydia is hanging out uh, by the river with some of her friends, uh, Paul and his team show up to the river and they come by so that they can, they can pray. They want to kick off this, this ministry to the city by just praying. And, and you better know that that's how we're going to make an impact in our city. It's not by just doing a lot of good stuff. It's going to be by starting and staying committed to the riverside. Starting and staying committed to praying, 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 
pleading with Jesus to do a work that only he can do. Because if he does some kind of man-sized work, if he does some kind of Josh and team-sized work, it's going to be kind of lame. I'll just be honest. Because, again, my athletic prowess not so great. Sorry, kids. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I don't have a lot to offer. But when God shows up, wow. And so they're praying. They're praying. And while they're praying... She starts to talk to them and they have this conversation with Lydia. They find out that she's a, she's a God-fearing woman, that she, she wants to honor God. She, and some of you here, you want to honor God. You want to do what's right with God, but you don't fully understand the way of Jesus. You haven't been brought uh, the, the understanding of the way of Jesus. And so they talk to her about the way of Jesus that he's the only way to God. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And it says that her heart was open, and she trusts in Jesus. And then she grabs her entire family. She, she gets her entire family together. you got to hear this. They hear from Paul, and her entire family trusts in Jesus. And catch it, right there by the river, Lydia and her entire family are baptized. How cool is that? Just right there by the river, the entire family is baptized. If you know any more of the story of Lydia, she does appear one more time. We looked at it in the fall in Revelation chapter 2. We hear reference to Thyatira. And I like to believe that Lydia had something to do with the gospel then going over the Aegean Sea as she goes back home to Thyatira. Some of you, I'm going to beg you, please stay in Boston. Please be a part of this for a long time. But we're realists. We know that many of you are going to move back home, wherever home is for you. But when you go back home, like Lydia, you get to bring the gospel, the message of Jesus with you. God has you here in this city for a reason, whether it's for two years for your master's, four years for your undergrad, six years for some doctoral work, or just a, a year for a fellowship. However long you're here, God has you here for a reason. Beautiful story. Power of a changed life while she comes into uh, this influential city. The story of Lydia, an aspiring newcomer. She's got big aspirations for her life. But God says, I got even bigger dreams for your life. It's not just for you to make some money selling purple. I got a dream for you to meet Jesus in Philippi. And she does. Now, aspiring newcomer. Here's our our next story that we see. Uh, There's this afflicted and abused young girl. Here's her story. After Lydia and her family are baptized, they invite Paul and his team to stay at their house. So she basically says, hey, while you're in Philippi, why don't you just sleep at my place? I got a place big enough to hold you and Priscilla and Aquila and Timothy and Dr. Luke. I mean, you guys just come. That's, that's a pretty big place, right? Boston, we, we, I mean, I don't know how many of you have a guest bedroom, but yeah, right, right? I mean, she has enough that she can host, she can host people. It's, it's, it's great. And so uh, she has them over. The very next verse, verse 16, if you're, you've got your Bible open or your app open, says, and as they were going to the place of prayer. So they sleep at Lydia's house, and then it says, as they're going to the place of prayer, we, hear that, we, so this is Luke writing, we, Dr. Luke is writing this. We were met by a slave girl. So that place by the river in verse 13 was a place for prayer. They were going to a place of prayer, somewhere where we could pray. But verse 16, it becomes what? It becomes the place of prayer. Did you hear that? Their ministry is sustained by prayer. It's not like we'll kick this thing off with prayer. Like, you know, you ever been to the Bible study? We're going to open and close in prayer. We don't open and close in prayer. It's not bookends. We pray. We are constantly praying. It is the place of prayer. It becomes their spot where uh, the, the life change that we see in chapter 16 is because of the prayer. Now, let me tell you, lives are 
changed. Lives are changed. And the lives that we're going to celebrate in just a minute, they're, they're changed because of faithful people praying. We've got some young people who are going to be baptized in a little bit here. It's because moms and dads have been praying for them. Their grandparents have been praying for them. Youth leaders have been praying for them. We've got other people here who, who are coming to faith and, and are, are being baptized because they've been prayed for for a long time. Church, you've been praying that we would see people far from Jesus come to know Jesus. And we get to celebrate that today. It's the place of prayer the place of prayer so while they're at the the place of prayer again the the official place where they're going to pray they meet this girl who is afflicted and abused this girl has some kind of spirit some probably demonic influence on her where she is going around and she is telling fortunes and she has been brought into slavery and her masters are making money off of her because she has this demonic oppression where she's able to then tell people's, people's future. She has owners, which is horrific. She has owners and they're making money off of her. But in this moment, God frees her. The Apostle Paul Cast the spirit out of her. And now her owners aren't able to make money off of her any longer because she can't tell the fortune anymore. And so this young girl, afflicted and abused, is free and now becomes a part of the team to start this new church. Again, the power of a changed life. You go from afflicted and abused and used to, to free from oppression and, and free from slavery it's it's powerful so we have the wealthy Lydia we have the poor this girl and then we have a story of the middle class here's our final story of life change in chapter 16 we have this average working class man if you look at verse 19 after Paul frees this girl from her affliction her owners now they're they're not able to make money off of her anymore as I said and so they they don't like this. And so they drag the Apostle Paul and Silas uh, before the rulers in the marketplace. And they're angry. And this mob forms. And they say, these two men are disturbing our city. Can I just say, I like the sound of that. Like I, I would love it to be said that we are disturbing our city. And if disturbing our city means helping afflicted people get free and, and use and abuse people come out from under that use and abuse, and that I'm all for disturbing the city. Jesus disturbs the city. Uh, later in Acts, it says, There was no small disturbance concerning the way, capital W, the way, truth, and the life, Jesus. So Jesus is all about disturbing the city in a good way. He says, These guys are disturbing the city. We need to take them out. And so they get locked up and they get thrown in prison. But shortly before doing that, it says that they are beaten with rods. Now we know why they need Dr. Luke with them. They're beaten with rods. Rods. It says that they suffer many blows. Somebody is there, just people are, this mob is beating them and beaten, bruised, and bloody. They're, they're thrown into jail. Verse 25, check this out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, that verse right there, I don't know if you caught any of that, but that verse will preach. That is. Beautiful. They are beaten with rods. And yet what are they doing? They're praising. They're singing to God after having been beaten with rods. They're singing and praising the Lord. And who's listening? All those prisoners in there are, are listening. They're listening. Christians, 
So often we try to avoid pain and suffering, don't we? Can I just tell you something? You're going to need to suffer. Because the way you respond to suffering is a lot more powerful than the way you respond to good. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me that financial thing. Thank you, God, for, for my new car. Thank you for health. You should do that. But God, you're still faithful when I'm struggling with cancer. God, you're still faithful when, when my, my, my money is, is, is tight. God, you're faithful when I lost my job. God, you're faithful. I'll praise you in the storm. That right there is powerful. And so why does God allow bad things to happen? Well, we see it right here because the prisoners were looking on. And these men are still singing. These men are still praising God in the midst of this really difficult thing. So don't seek to just avoid it all. Praise God for the good. Praise God for the bad. Everything, everything. God is in control and your role is to, to, to see him in the midst of it. And that will show the people the authenticity of your, your faith. So they're singing, they're praying despite being beaten, despite being locked up, despite having this clear call to go to Macedonia, specifically to Philippi. And yet when we get here, God, you shut it down. They're still praising. They're still singing. And in the midst of all of that, suddenly there's an earthquake. And the foundation of the prison is shaken and the doors are busted open and the shackles on their hands and on their feet fall off and Paul and Silas are free. Now we read that there's a jailer who's in charge of this whole situation. He's put in charge of taking care of Paul and Silas and making sure they do not get out. And I don't know if he was sleeping or if he got knocked unconscious. I don't know what happened. But we sing about that song and the the, the prison walls coming down, right? The, The walls are open. He wakes up and he goes, I'm in trouble. They're gone. Rome's going to kill me. And so he pulls out his sword and he's about to commit suicide and end it for himself right there. That's how bad it would be, the repercussions of allowing uh, these high-profile guys to, to, to be freed. He's ready to kill himself. And just before he goes to kill himself, the Apostle Paul says, No, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And instead of busting free, well, God, you... you Busted us free. I guess we should probably leave, right? No, they don't, they don't leave. They stay right there. And the jailer comes running in and he calls for lights uh, to, to be seen. And, and, and he rushes to see if they really are all here. He counts and he sees that they're all right there and he falls on the floor. Check it out. Verse 30. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once and all his family. Come on, how cool is that? This blue-collar jailer and his family are changed by the message of Jesus. Because some guys got beaten and they still praise the Lord. Because some guys got locked up and they still praise the Lord. And a church is born the church of Philippi because we've got average working class man right in the middle we've got a a poor afflicted and abused girl bottom of the social ladder and we've got an aspiring wealthy woman a church is born very very different stories 
But who's the hero? Jesus is always the hero. I mean, I look around this church here, and I just see a collection of stories. We have so many stories to tell. There is no shortage of stories in this this church. You do not need to, to get trained up on how to beautifully articulate your faith. You just need to say, here's my story. I was blind, but now I see. I was going this way, and Jesus changed me. And you don't even need to have all the, all the perfect evidences to scientifically prove, right, that, that Jesus is true in the Bible. You just need to share your story because there is a power in, 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 in stories, the power of a changed life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've never heard of a person uh, have somebody share with them uh, just this beautiful articulation of the gospel and, and a science experiment. And, you know, all, and then they're just like, wow. No, it's the most powerful thing is when you say, man, God has changed my life. When kids, when your, your father starts walking with Jesus and it changes the trajectory, when Lydia starts walking with Jesus and it changes the trajectory, it's the power of a changed Life. The common denominator is Jesus. And now those three, very different, are all part of this greater story. Because God is at work in all of human history, writing his story. The story of, wow, there was sin and it, it broke everything. It just, it just broke everything. And we look around, there's no doubt that there's brokenness and hatred and evil all around us. It seems like physically the earth is, is, is wasting. Physically people are wasting and, and, and relationally we're wasting. But God says, I, I've, I've got a plan. And he enacted that plan. The fullness of time when he sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh, to experience this, this life that we live and never sin. And though the wages of sin is death, he died. He didn't ever sin, but he died laying down his life for you and for me so that if we would trust in him, just as Paul said to the jailer, you just got to believe. He didn't say, jailer, here's what you need to do. You need to go to church. You need to say this many Hail Marys. You need to get baptized. You need to do this, that, this, that, this, that, and then you're saved from all the corruption and brokenness. What did he say? He said, you just got to believe. It's about trusting in what Jesus has done for you. And so I'll say this. Some of you are here today by design of God, because God wants to invite you into his story. And all you got to do, you got to believe. You got to trust. You got to place faith in what Jesus has done for you. You got to surrender, essentially. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm done trying to be the master of my own life. Jesus, I believe in all that you are, and I want to follow you. And the Bible says that if you will turn from sin, that's independence from him, and turn to him, you can be made right with God and you're brought into this beautiful story of redemption. Others of you in here today, you're a follower of Jesus. I'm telling you, you are here because God wants to encourage your heart with some stories. Some stories from the scripture, some stories from people present day. And so I pray that you are encouraged and that we can together honor God as we celebrate life change. So you guys ready to celebrate some life change? Let's do it. It's going to be good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful. We're thankful to who you are and what you've done for the message of Jesus. You are so good. You are so mighty. You are so powerful that you can, you can break through walls. You can take shackles off of our, our wrists if you want. You can use the pain in our lives and you can redeem it and, and make beautiful things out of it. And so God, we praise you for all of that. We praise you for these three stories that we've heard about from the scriptures. 
We're just so thankful uh, for how this church was born that that didn't just start a church in Philippi, but they then started churches in the region. And they helped probably churches over in in modern-day Turkey come to to grow. And so, God, we're just just in awe. And, God, I pray that we would be that kind of church, that we would see life change here, but then we would help it take place in other places in our city. And so, God, would you use us and, and grow us and allow us to see more and more stories of life change. Plead with you, God. May 2020 be the greatest year in the history of our church in terms of seeing people who are far from God come to know Jesus. God, we pray that we would see aspiring newcomers, people who are new to this city for greatness and for education, come and, and you show them that you've got something more than an education, more than a career that you're going to do here in their hearts and their lives in this city. God, we pray for the people that are hidden in this city, like that slave girl that are abused and afflicted and have stuff that nobody knows about, stuff that is is deep and and painful. And God, we pray that we would see them be able to break free because your power is displayed in their lives. And then, God, we pray for those blue blood born and raised Bostonians. We long to see them come to know Jesus in 2020. This is your year. Do something powerful. Lord, would you give us stories, not so that we can pat ourselves on the back because we really don't do much, but so that we can honor you for the power that you display in changing people's lives. And so God, with baptism this morning, be celebrated. You are glorious and you're worthy of our honor and praise. We love you. We're thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys ready for some baptisms? All right.